Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is the brains of the operation, the man who secretly gets scripts in shadows, everyone's favorite spoiler, Pete. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. That's a really nice entrance. Thanks, Matt. Episode 215 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One Door Closes is brought to you by the Little Debbie Snack Cake Company. When you're lonely and playing solitaire, look for those, as well as some biscuits. Well, you know, Pete, I was hoping that the the sponsor would be those gluten-free, I don't know, rice cake things, but I guess Little Debbie, it is a, it, it's yummy as things go. Matt, Little Debbie has a snack for you. All right, uh, time to catch you up on what went down. Our teaser sequence for this episode begins with S.H.I.E.L.D. under attack on TV. And Matt, we soon realize we are exactly a year ago. It was the first weekend in April 2014 that Captain America, the Winter Soldier, debuted in theaters at least in America, and uh, we're coming full circle, as it were. Wow, I had not done the math there. You're, of course, absolutely correct. Captain America having opened on April 4th, so mind completely blown. Wow, that that, that just takes the planning of this episode up to a new level. That is, that is a wonderful catch, Pete. It is, um, you know, the the planning, I think, really comes across and we have Mac and others being held by uh, Hydra operatives at gunpoint, uh, one of whom can't feel his arm. And we get the superimposed, this is the day that S.H.I.E.L.D. fell. Um, they're looking for the chief engineer because, of course, Hydra wants to get things back up and running. And uh, Chief Engineer starts to say, that's me. And Max says, no, it's me. The engineer, of course, is killed. And uh, the man behind the trigger explains to Mac that he doesn't like liars. You know, that engineer, he was given all that he got. And as it turned out, that was his life. (laughs) Um, He did not have a red shirt on there. So we can't exactly go with that. But his face was red because he was a little bit of a rookie, maybe a little bit more green. Um, well, I think the red ob- came from the, his own blood as it spilled over his face. There you go. There's an object slid under the door and across the floor, which we can't make out right away. And, of course, Bobby comes in, uh, you know, guns blazing, orders weapons down. And uh, just when things seem to get a little bit tense and there's a hostage with uh, one of our Hydra operatives, um, he takes a knife to the back and we find out from above this is uh, deceased S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Isabel Hartley who has uh, gotten uh, this guy in the back. Um, and the, uh, the banter here is we're going to get her a gun one of these days. Come to find out the object that was slid across the floor, Matt, was... Why, it was a cell phone. Of course, it was a no-name brand cell phone. But we true believers know what kind of cell phone it was that saved our heroes. Yes, and we also see an ID, a shield ID, Matt, just like the one you have. Absolutely. I mean, I I am shield through and through. I, I, I don't always keep up to date with the emails. Is it Colson? Is it Gonzalez who's in charge? I don't know, but I do have my shield ID. And uh, and uh, held the correct way, by the way. There was a, an episode last season where somebody was holding it upside down. Um, this overall, it is a scintillating flashback. It's a deep and dirty fight. Um, the 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 surprising um, but not overdone introduction slash reintroduction of Isabel, I thought, was so very very well done. Um, you know, to be able to bring her back in, in this uh, in this flashback was just so wonderful. And um, you know what? What are Fury's orders there? Uh, as we get to the end of the uh, uh, 
the end of the act here. It's to save shield. Yeah, Mockingbird. just you know to do, uh, you know, get to server core, save shield. You know, just put that on your fridge. Server core, stovo core. It's all exactly. connected. <laughs> Act one begins in the present day. Um, Bobby is back at the playground and the subject of Hunter's uh, whereabouts come up with Coulson. And he explains that it was his responsibility there. Hunter was. Um, But this is the path that uh, he's chosen and it requires some trust um, we come to find out also that Sky is settling in and she catches up with Simmons over the phone there. The subject of her gloves or gauntlets, which feature uh, some micro thread, Matt, comes up, but Sky hasn't tried them on just yet. These uh, these two or three scenes that opened the uh, the first act here, all about the subtext. Uh, when Mockingbird reappears, there's a little slice that she gives to some wires. I believe that was on the Quinjet. Um, kind mm-hmm. of again, the subtext of her being the double agent. Um, there's also some double talk between Colson and Mac, uh, which pays off in a scene or two. Colson saying that there's not a lot of trust for Mac. As he works on the car, that Max need uh, Mac needs supervision while working on the car. Wink, wink. Uh, we also have Mockingbird sneaking to your standard room, oh, blinky wires, and kind of doing nefarious things by opening drawers of other blinky wires. Um, even Pete subtext with Sky Skyping with Gemma. Uh, everything's hunky dory, but uh, Fitz, of course, once the Skype connection is uh, has uh, has ended. Fitz uh, asks Gemma rather underplayed yet sarcastically uh, or with underplayed sarcasm, I guess is a better way yes. to put it, uh, calling it uh, uh, Gemma's science experiment. Yes. How's it going with that science experiment there? Um, and, you know, when she uses Leo, we know there's a problem. And of course, he coldly shoots back Gemma um, with Bobby. Uh, cutting, um, we get to uh, Colson and Mac working on Lola there, and uh, finally the the subterfuge is no more. Uh, Mac explains that he works for Shield, uh, not Hydra, but you can uh, understand the suspicion even a year later, Matt, that we're still operating under. So guns are drawn on Mac. Uh, Colson explains he's lost too many friends to Hydra, as Mac says he has as well. And uh, it's a rather tense situation. It's presented really nicely in the edit uh, because it starts out first with kind of a solo scene, if you will, of Mockingbird breaking into Colson's desk uh, to steal that uh, that little cube. It then gets intercut with more of Max uh, double talk this after the guns are drawn on him and him stressing, "I am loyal to Shield," which uh, I dare say is also a bit of a you know uh, of a moment to say, audience. We are all good people, so when we all come together as one S.H.I.E.L.D. family in a couple of episodes, do not hate me. I am not the new Ward. I am not the new Bill Paxton. I am not Hydra. Um, of course, then, Pete, the situation worsening. Who does Coulson call for? May. Coulson wants May on the line there just as Bobby gets the toolbox and confronted here. May um, finds out she was wrong and she really doesn't like being wrong. The real shield is thrown out there again. And I, I dare say, Matt, that's just getting a little bit tiresome. Well, Pete, I like to think of, um, you know, these being two, two sides of the same shield coin. So let's call... Let's call in this episode where we are, are are flashing back to the past from you know this this crisis from another point of view. Let's call Colson's shield kind of the head shield, and uh, Gonzalez's shield could be the tail shield, or if you like, the tailies. Um, 
And uh, speaking of tailies, Mockingbird flips over and over and over hers as she promptly flips out of the room. It is so darned handy that Director Coulson has a room lined with glass windows which can break, which can be seen through, which can make shots interesting, which can help expand the set for the, the, the walls beyond and all of that. And Pete, it's not uh, just the windows that break. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's also the act. It is, but let's just remember that the last person who betrayed Melinda May, she broke his larynx. Act two begins with uh, Bobby and May continuing their uh, tete-a-tete there. Um, Bobby is trying to explain to May that it doesn't have to be like this. Um, She didn't want it to be like this. Um... And uh, she drops um, an electromagnetic pulse or something like it. I know there was some debate a little later on, but the result is all the power goes down and she gets away, as does Mac. This fight between the two of them, it it is so epic. Um, And this from a show which has had a lot of fantastic fights this season. Um, do not be confused in in how this show has grown since, for example, uh, The Well from season one. This is not a girl fight. This is a bone-cracking epic knockdown, which of course ends only one way with May winning. Um, and I would dare say that uh, Bobby hits a bit below the fighting belt with her bosomy EMP. <laughs> we flash back again to the day S.H.I.E.L.D. fell. And uh, Bobby breaks into the conference room with uh, Mac and Hartley and finds Commander Gonzalez waiting. And she blurts out some kind of protocol, blah, 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 number. Okay. To which Commander (laughs) Gonzalez, previously Admiral Adama, explains he's had a bastard of a day. That man had an axe. Now, I have it. Those are lines that, with less capable actors, would have just sounded a little silly in the hands of a poor actor. And I think uh, they would have just sounded, uh, I don't know, rather rather sedentary with a good actor. He just turns, you know, that man had an axe. Now I have it. it. He just turns that into a summary of the fight and his regret and his uh, exhaustion and his the chaos going on all around him. And he imbues that in those eight or ten words. And uh, that is Academy Award nominee Edward James Olmos, who I dare say uh, will be around for many more episodes. Yes, the line and the actor, Matt, left quite a mark, as did the acts. But there is a plan B. Um that in the present day we're talking about here, uh, the encrypted message with Bobby uh, speaking with Gonzalez and Agent Calderon gets to the point of them trying to track Hunter via the escape pod that he's gotten away in. You know, Pete, I sure am glad that when hunter's escape pod escaped you know that they thought that it had misfired and thus didn't shoot it down and thus hunter was able to escape to that to that desert planet of tattooing i'm sorry i'm mixing up the disney properties again where were we with agents of shield yes agent sky uh is at the safe house there far away at least for now from the real shield and uh just as Far away, Matt, are the gloves that uh, Gemma Simmons has prepared for her. But she goes and she checks them out. She puts them on. Uh, She reacts audibly. There's some groaning there. And then she calls Simmons, doesn't get her. And on her voicemail tells her she's tried them on. Uh, Are they supposed to make me feel woozy? Are they supposed to be tight? Anyway, you know, give me a call. All this while she's examining some wires that lead to the wall and then uh, pulls back a panel that looks very, uh, very much like the uh, octagonal uh, cell 
pattern on the bus. The the, the inclusion of the gloves uh, for those not not steeped in the uh, you know in the tradition of the comics definitely you know we're, we're headed towards uh, some of the accoutrements of uh, of Quake Quake's gauntlets uh, and the like. And um, Pete, this this reveal here that she's in kind of a metal cage. Uh, of sorts is this also the scene where there's that the 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 fist print yes i found so i mean okay clearly a reference to oh you know uh uh, hulk spent some time here so on and so forth which is cute but then she hears you know she hears a, a a a bump outside and it becomes quite spooky and before we get to the person who ends up on the other side of the door just a question for you so the walls behind the wood are are made of this, you know, kind of octagonal, super metal, etc. Um, what about the windows? I think uh, they're made of glass, Matt. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm sure there's somebody listening going, geez, you know, let's be a little fair to the show here. They're not going to, you know, like, you know, or maybe I'm being unfair, that kind of thing. These are the things I think about where, like, let's just have that through line in the production where... Either it's glass windows and you want the Hulk to not get out of your octagonal metal cage, except for, you know, glass windows and a wooden door, or it's not. So, again, just a, a moment here where I was slightly taken out of the show, and uh, I, I do it with love as we, we hold the show to these uh, to these high standards. And Pete, you know who else has high standards? Old Gordon. Yes, he does. And when he shows up here after a little bit of cat and mouse and a a topical paranormal activity reference, um, he says, hello, Sky. I'm Gordon. Um, mind if I come in? And uh, away we go. Act three. And uh, Gordon wants to know, uh, what's your plan with that sky that uh looked like a rod or a piece of metal that she had grabbed there to um i think it might have been a fireplace poker yeah to protect herself and she's taken aback that gordon can see uh of course he can see he explains um just not the same as you although he explains he is like her and he was horrified with what happened to him and he had received a lot more preparation than she had before she changed. Um, He's comfortable enough with his appearance to make jokes as, you know, he wishes she wouldn't stare. Um, Yes, he had eyes. Matt, what color were they? I believe they were blue. They were. And he explained that the mist doesn't just change you. The Terrigen mist, of course, contained in the diviner um, that is released through the process known as Terrigenesis. It changes you inside as well. And he knew this from an early age. He had been told he he was special by a mentor, somebody that uh, Sky has a little bit of a connection to and explain there that the first thing that happened once he changed was that this mentor embraced him. Hey, Sky, what was the first thing shield did to you? The implication of course there, you know, isolate her, be mean to her, notice differences, not similarities. And that line is what makes this scene so effective. A scene that for my liking goes on, in a bit when we return to it after a quick little um check back at shield hq a scene that goes on a tad too long for my tastes but this notion that you know we kind of have the the ex-menification of of the marvel cinematic universe whoa whoa in terms whoa, of, whoa 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 we're not allowed to say that matt well we can say it we, i mean the the we can say it because because uh, we are men of uh, of comic book letters and we 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 do this analysis. But I mean, joking aside, that the whole notion of kind of you know discrimination and difference and all of that, which I dare say it's clear Marvel is kind of imbuing the Inhumans properties with that. Um, it's all kind of here on the surface in terms of Gordon received help from a friend. 
the tra- his transformation was done with preparation. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, Sky has had none of those and thus, uh, or maybe not as a result of lack of prep, but certainly those around her are now uh, uh, pulling back with, uh, with fear and whatnot. And not too ironically, we cut to Simmons, who uh, has kind of been the, uh, the pretty and unfortunate uh, face of, uh, frankly, anti-inhuman uh, discrimination. Right. And uh, thank goodness, Matt, she's found Bobby here. Uh, simultaneously, we're intercut with uh, Fitz messing with wires and Colson and May catching up uh, with the explanation that Mac took out three guards. But um, May notes they're not killing them, that Hydra leaves a body count. Simmons having been found by Mockingbird, and apparently they're acting like buddies, and Simmons is not in the know. It is in no way overacted by uh, the lovely Elizabeth Henstrich. However, it is presented in such a way, so we are completely anticipating that Simmons might just be in on in on some sort of knowledge that uh, that Mockingbird is not appreciating. But of course, more on that in a bit. Back to. Uh, Sky and Gordon, and he wants to know what her gift feels like. She explains it's like a thousand bees, that she can't stop it, that she feels like she'll destroy everything. And Gordon spins this yarn where he explains to Sky her place in the universe that everything gives off a vibration that she can get in touch with that, that she could come become, in his words, magnificent. But uh, if it wasn't restrained, the word constrained was used. Either way, it was intentional. And um, with the gloves that we're talking about here, um, Sky points out that a friend made those. And... Uh, Gordon explains he's got access to some things too, tools and understanding of what it is to um, be who they are and what they're meant to be, that uh, she can take her place with people like us, Gordon says, that uh, she can learn only if she wants to come. We make this the, the choice, the call. And when, uh, She's ready. He'll find her. But it's all about the trust. The big uh, takeaway from Gordon there, most gifts come with a price. Uh, then, in my in my humble opinion, we get the scene overdone. Lots of inspirational mumbo-jumbo. Be with people like us. Be your potential. I thought that we were perhaps a couple paragraphs away from find your spirit animal, build a dream catcher over your bed. <laughs> I... I just felt in terms of pacing, it was a little like, okay, we get it. You're special. You're unique. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. Let's do that song from the, the boy band to tell everybody that everybody is great. But come on here. Pick up the pace. We have a fantastic flashback story going on. It appears to slowly be mirroring in the real world. And we get a lot of like, you know, you are you're, you may be shaped like a like a pear or a figure eight, but you know what, Sky, you're beautiful. And I'm just saying, come on, Gordo, let's go. Back at the playground, um, Simmons is stalling with Bobby, explaining that she's looking for a piece of tech. Uh, and when she finally finds it after Bobby is uh, clearly paying attention in too many different directions, she grabs it and she's stunned and uh, Simmons radios to Colson that she's got her. It was such a fun scene because as soon as she says, oh, oh, here, can you hold this little who's what's? Then at that point, the game is on. It's I feel like I keep repeating myself over many of these episodes, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really likes inhabiting a space story wise where there are there are moments in the story where the audience is ahead of the action. No one has said in conversation or whatnot, um, uh, you know, that she's going to outsmart him. She hasn't said kind of, you know, it hasn't been telegraphed in any in any way, visually, dialogue, etc. 
But the minute that first piece goes into her hand, you know what's about to unfold. And uh, it, it really is just a great scene. It's uh, it's brains over brawn. It is. And I, I'm finding, you know, connective tissue in this second run of episodes here in the middle of them where this tends to be happening quite a bit. We cut to Fitz. He wants to know uh, what Mac has and Mac being his friend from uh, the beginning of the season and they have this tremendous bond. He's telling him, Fitz, don't. I'm not going to hurt you, buddy. Again, the idea of trust. We flash back to the conference room of, as we will learn a little later in the episode, the helicarrier Iliad. And Mac suddenly begins a little bit of a soliloquy about his coin collection when he was a kid. Um, he lost a coin. He punched a wall. He broke his fifth metacarpal, what they call a boxer's break. And uh, love the line and the delivery, especially out of Gonzalez here. You know, we're going to be getting to a point anytime soon. And it's uh, just around that point, maybe about two sentences before the dialogue is handed over to Gonzalez. That's when Mac looks over at, uh, at, at Mockingbird and, um, of course, is pretending the moment where they need to do your, your standard bone leg twisty yes. pulley thing, I guess, to, to reset yeah, yeah. it. Um, to, to splint the leg because Matt, because Matt, it's the most dangerous pain that you can't feel. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And then, of course, they make him feel a ton of pain. They do. Well, at least we know now we've accomplished from a story sense why he walks with a cane in the present time. There's talk of a chopper and Mac is going to carry Gonzalez up there. Bobby, meanwhile, hands over to Isabel uh, Hartley uh, what appears to be a keychain for Hunter that says Franny's Saloon on it. And Hartley says that uh, Hunter is going to be pissed, but Hartley will still clear the path. I love the fact that the show is confident enough with we, the audience, where they don't need to overdo it in terms of explaining what this is or, oh, give him my wedding ring. It clearly is some sort of memento. Um, uh, Pete, to my recollection, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, we, we don't know that reference. Is that correct? You don't. Oh, well, fair enough. Thus far, the show has not explored uh, the the reference, but the, just the notion that we see it's some sort of weird memento. We know the nature of their fractured and constantly cycling up or cycling down uh, of their relationship, and um, just a really nice character moment, which then leads itself to the next moment, which is Mockingbird wants to sacrifice herself for a particular reason, Pete. Yes, Fury has left her in charge of a second mission. She has a chip here. She needs to get to the helicarrier's server core. Um, and then they're going to sink the ship. Um, Gonzalez explains that they're carrying cargo that uh, they cannot risk falling into the hands of Hydra. There's some debate here. And uh, Barbara is being stubborn. But Gonzalez explains he's still in command of this ship. So you have new orders. We're going to help you finish this job. Side note, I don't know that you can fully countermand the order of a superior, which is what he's doing <laughs> for Fury. But fine, he's saying the order, you know, like, fine, you go do what you're ordered to do, Mockingbird. We're coming along. Pete, am I correct in saying that they don't identify this mysterious, precious cargo? They have not as of yet. Fair enough. Well, we'll put a pin in that one, certainly, then. I think with that, Pete, uh, we uh, having, having seen them all kind of uh, bloodied and beaten up in the past, uh, we head back to the present day. Yes, and Coulson is explaining that the box that was taken, what's been repeatedly referred to as Fury's toolbox, was a gift uh, given to him by Fury. It was a means to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. May, meanwhile, is uh, looking around in a locker and she finds a mask um, 
and suddenly we have hissing throughout the playground. There is an explosion, guys with masks, and we hear uh, Agent Calderon and uh, Robert Gonzalez come in and explain that Mac needs medical as we end our third act. That uh, that neurotoxin or dendrotoxin yes. uh, gas that comes in, by the way, Pete, it's blue because it's television. It is. Act four, and we're back in the past. Um, Hartley is fighting Hydra in the hallway. She uh, explains that there is a turret on the top deck that has been taken back over by S.H.I.E.L.D., and she has also heard that Vic, Matt, is going to hold on to the hub. Vic? That's Victoria Hand, who nothing will happen to. Not at all. Not a hair on her black and red head will uh, be harmed, at least at the hub. <laughs> In the present, we get that explanation, as we alluded to before, that the dendrotoxin gas now colored blue like the icer bullets that carry the same compound has uh you know neutralized everybody but colson here has been able to retreat and where he's taken sky is the subject gonzalez weaver uh and morse talk it over with calderon and may meanwhile because she had the gas mask that little piece of uh front loading there for the previous couple scenes she heard all of this and she's able to uh let sky know that uh they're coming for her um only after an interesting scene matt where uh you know sky takes the gloves off she's uh she's reacting she's uh breathing heavily she goes to wash her hands, and um, this sink appears to be broken. <laughs> well, I don't know about broken, but clearly she's able to do some kind of, you know, wavy thing to the water. Um, I, I think it was meant to be kind of evocative of sound waves through through moving water. Wait, wait, that wasn't like a super cool, you know, shield, Kohler, you know, touchless sink model. It did cross my mind. I'm pretty sure that there are high-end sinks that can do that. Um, they make but, sinks that'll turn your water different colors, you know, depending on the on the heat or uh, lack of it. So, come on, willful suspension of uh, disbelief. Maybe it's like like uh, product placement, you know? Yeah. Um, but Pete, in the previous two scenes, I love the dichotomy um, where we have. Um, you know, back on back on that uh, that uh, Hydra controlled carrier. Yes, Shield has the top deck, but uh, rather mournfully, Gonzalez notes the fourteen other decks are controlled by Hydra, um, and then then that kind of being contrasted by Gonzalez and and his crew stepping now into the playground. And what I what I thought was a rather quiet and and sad moment. It w it was the first inkling that I genuinely had that. Um, they're they're cutting deep with this, and and, and they mean this to be um, a multi episode, uh, uh, you know, moment to the show, multi episode kind of change to the show, and and I'm wondering how far this scene and and subsequent scenes at Shield HQ will will affect the series for the rest of the season and perhaps beyond. Well, uh, I can say consider really, Matt. Um, speaking of effect, we have, uh, the, on the outs Fitzsimmons looking at one another as all this is going on around them. And they're greeted with a familiar face in agent Weaver. She, of course, who ran the science Academy within shield that they attended. Um, she gives us some backstory that, uh, Calderon had saved her swooping in with a Quinjet when shield fell. And she is adamant that Coulson has no right to call this shield. And she needs Simmons' help to uh, stabilize things and patients. She trusts uh, Simmons' opinion and her expertise. 
And uh, yes, uh, this notion that it's a vote of confidence in Simmons and then uh, then a quick little look to Fitz, who uh, is kind of uh, implicitly uh, still under orders to stay sitting on the floor. So nothing like being told that your friend is really great, but you you just need to kind of sit there because we have suspicions about you. Pete, I wonder if this is some sort of uh, comment about England's view of Scotland. Maybe maybe we're getting terribly <laughs> political. I don't know. Just Just planting the seed there. Let our listeners water it and grow it and get back to us. Yes. While the flashbacks in this episode is its heart, its brain is the conversation that comes between Colson and Gonzalez here in what was Colson's office, which, by the way, Matt, has uh, lots of light and a nice record collection. It sure does. You know, sometimes you just need to kick back and uh, listen to the golden oldies there. We get the exposition that Colson knew who Robert Gonzalez was, um, that he had followed his career until his wife died. I'm sure we'll get some more on that. Uh, that he was commander of the Iliad and that Colson even looked for him when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell. Pete, were we meant to to gather that um, a lot of this information was from uh, was from Fury's toolkit, or just kind of Coulson's general knowledge? I felt a little a little. This unclear. was this was clearly Coulson's uh, backlog of of knowledge here. Um, Gonzalez's biggest beef with Coulson is that Fury brought him back. Colson, of course, quips that he appreciated the gesture and being brought back to life. Um, but Gonzalez throws it in his face that Weaver thinks there's an alien messenger involved in this and the subject of Colson's protege in Sky, their visit to the alien city, everything that's gone on there. But then we come back to Gonzalez and, and how we know this is fair and how this is different, Matt, you know, all the comparisons to the, to the Hydra, you know, um, reveal last year, um, around this time, this, this next coming week was the first episode afterward have been untoward in the sense that we know now that Gonzalez means, well, he explains to Colson, this is, a chance for you to be the good man I know. This entire scene, I thought it was it was remarkable in its presentation because it really truly felt like a like a sad yet effective rewriting of what we know, and it's casting our shield in a new light. I know we we've gotten into it a little bit in some of the previous episodes, but to have Gonzalez just lay it out and say here are the reliability questions. And for him to bring in even questioning Mighty Fury's reliability, which, you know, viewers of, uh, of uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, can agree. You know, they're, they're, that is a movie that is very much about the role of government. You know, that's it, a little bit in the background, but, you know, it's, it's, it's there clear enough, the role of government, the role of military, so on and so forth, the role of spy agencies. And Fury is a bit of a villain, um, or at least his policies are villainous um, for part of that movie. And for Gonzalez to basically be saying, whoa, we need to back off uh, on Fury's way because Fury's way did not work. Heck, he was hiding some things from the World Council that was supposed to have oversight over all of this. It's difficult to argue against that. But then we're looking at, you know, the beloved Clark Gregg, who now it's like, Sorry, you're not in charge of this operation anymore, Colson, and, and that hurts. The larger context of this, Matt, if you think any of this idea, you know, shield versus shield, the whole Hydra, you know, uh, reveal and everything, any of this is going away anytime before Captain America Civil War, you're kidding yourself. A profound statement indeed. I, I, I mean – Certainly, there is no question that they are they are laying tracks for multiple, 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 multiple episodes, and surely beyond this season, they have to. When they made this, they have to have been fairly confident in a renewal. That's that's a confidence that 
continues to be felt in you know the various uh, sources that we check in on tv by the numbers and the like the ratings while not great are solid the live plus seven numbers are are very good what live plus seven means i think isn't quite clear to professionals in hollywood but the show at its heart at its writing at its storytelling is going places and and letting the audience enjoy the ride so there we are matt with yet another cube that contains significance because we've not done this before (laughs) and um you know gonzalez says that uh fury was keeping people and uh objects all over the place and um he wants colson to show him how to open this cube here colson of course uh not ready to do that one bit at all no Meanwhile, May has uh, been able to contact Sky over the phone from the cockpit of the bus. And she explains that uh, there's a panel on the southwest corner of the building, blah, blah, blah. They're coming for you. And just as Sky gets outside, a jet comes into range. I like here how they are setting up the obvious story out, which is Sky is going to make her way to that panel, go bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop, and escape off into the darkness while surely the story will end with Mockingbird and, uh, and Calderon kind of looking at each other, where did she go? And the fact that that's going to be a fake out in the next act is just absolutely delicious. Our final act begins with that jet descending and Calderon explaining uh, not to approach the target alone. Bobby reinforces that this is a shield agent just like them, icers only. Pete, it it did strike as slightly hollow, this idea that, you know, we're all shield agents, except for, you know, everything going on back at the playground where... You know, there's the bad shield Colson crew that we need to kind of rein in here. I found the um, the clarification there important. They're not drawing a distinction. At least she's not drawing a distinction here. And um, I, I thought that was important from a dialogue standpoint. Fair enough. We're back in the past for the final time in the episode and uh, Mac is shooting up the hallways. They're headed towards the server core, um, but it's apparent that uh, they can't let Hydra get the ship and the cargo. Gonzalez explains that they have orders, that this is not a democracy, but Bobby explains maybe it should be. Um, This needs to stop, and she breaks the ship that she has been given here to get to the server core and that they're going to take back this ship that we of course know they have since it exists in the present time. Gonzalez says he hopes that they don't regret this. Somebody else says they hope they live and then they line up and the doors open and there's this uh, pretty effective, Matt, slow-mo gunfire scene here that, uh, you know, was a nice capstone to the whole the Day Shield fell episode within an episode. You're absolutely right. And I think that is the moment where we are definitely supposed to be won over by this other shield which uh, quickly, as we are watching this episode, you realize it, it, it has a, a dramatic ability, a story ability to really uh, subsume uh, a lot of what we already know and a lot of what we thought we understood about our shield. Um, because in that moment, there's no question that they are heroes. And I mean, how do you, how do you argue against some of the things that they uh, discussed shortly before that shootout? You know, last week I was definitely a proponent of pay for your secret spy organizations. It can't always be a hippy-dippy democracy. The flip side is this. They make the decision to stand up for what is good, to not blindly follow orders, and to have a democracy. How do you argue against those things? Uh, I, I suspect, uh, from the show's point of view, we are not meant to at least argue against them wanting those things. You can't. And in a post 
you know, NSA Edward Snowden world, Matt, you know, look at the issues we've we've dealt with in S.H.I.E.L.D. post Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And now that, you know, Gonzalez in the present time admits he was wrong that day, if he hadn't changed, all would have been lost. But Coulson counters with, you know, so what, we're five friendly faces now that make all these decisions together? Sorry, I don't see the other four. Well, hey, you know, even in the best of democracies, sometimes uh, sometimes the cream rises to the top, I suppose. It does, but uh, Gonzalez is adamant that uh, Fury made Coulson um, and that there's connection here that he promoted him, that he wanted him as, you know, an heir, that he had set this up. And it's just as that's going on and the discussion is intensifying that May comes in and she stuns Gonzalez and a couple others in a really nice entrance. It is a fantastic entrance. And right before it, there's a question from Gonzalez. Was it secrets or Hydra that brought down shield? I would propose that that particular line looks better on the page than set aloud because once set aloud, even by the, the, the powerful uh, Edward James almost, um, no, it was Hydra that brought down S.H.I.E.L.D. I remember because I saw it in a TV show and a movie. Um, it was very much Hydra, although his point is not completely uh, completely uh, incorrect that uh, secrets were a problem uh, for, for S.H.I.E.L.D. as it was. I've seen some fake news clips to that effect, too. It was definitely Hydra. <laughs> um, you know, we're pretty proud of that. But um, Wait, what? May, May explains that... Uh, you know, Coulson's got a couple days that they know about Sky that they're going to find her. And uh, he gets away in an elevator just in time for uh, May to uncharacteristically give herself up to uh, Agent Weaver. Uncharacteristic, perhaps, although that's that, that's part of the ruse. You know, Coulson, what Coulson? I don't know. Here, I'm, I'm, I have my gun in the hang on my thumb position and you know, my arms are up. I clearly have given up Colson who keep, right. keep running buddy. Right. Back to, uh, Bobby and, uh, Calderon. Um, he explains that, uh, Weaver was going toe to toe with that monster in Hydra. And, um, suddenly we see sky uh, he fires a bullet, and uh, we get the old uh, no sky. The bullet is rejected back by the vibrations that we've now established that uh, sky can tap into. It uh, shatters the wood in what I thought was a uh, effect reminiscent of when um, Thor hit his hammer on. Um, Captain America's shield in uh, the original Avengers movie. Good doing. Yeah, it, it was it was very, very nice effects. Um, whether it's the blurry effect, whether it's the uh, um, uh, the two uh, Mockingbird and Calderon getting kind of pushed back in slow motion. Um, then even the trees where you just say, see, this keeps going on and on and on. And the show once again is committing to Sky not being a little powerful, Sky being very, very powerful. Yes, this is not just, uh, you know, tricking with water in the sink here. Um, Calderon is hit and impaled by uh, one of the gigantic splinters. So he is down uh, from the, uh, the shattered wood. Um, and we get the there was a close up mat of of sky and and just the look in her eyes the realization of of what she had done there was a pretty effective moment um we get the old you know uh oh my god we know that calderon is hit and uh gordon comes in to help he appears and everything with him seems to be phrased in the form of the question. You know, he's he's not pulling her, or at least it's the idea of perhaps a guided choice. Would you like to go? And, of course, they disappear, and we're left with uh, Bobby 
looking around. Indeed, a really nice end to the scene. I like that that it was all set up earlier, but it was wonderful when it happened nonetheless, where she's just able to say, you know, you know, Gordon, are you there? You know, help me. Words to that effect. And then he just appears, he takes her. Wonderful digital effect again with the you know, the 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 transportation there. And then yes, as you say, kind of Bobby there having failed at her mission, looking on and uh and oh the act. Our tag scene for this episode, uh, very reminiscent of uh, the Tahiti vibe from season one and uh, Coulson at a bar here with a drink with lots of umbrellas. But then we know it's the current day when Hunter walks up. They exchange what uh, appears to be, you know, basic dialogue. How you been? Anything new? Same old, same old talk of cruise ships and then um, Hunter writes his name on a napkin which he explains is his contract with that uh, Coulson out on his own it's now a team of two and uh, the end of the episode but we're off to the races Detailed look at our bad guys, Matt, with the unusual circumstance within this episode. We're going to start with traditional bad guys. We're going to start with Hydra. And we've talked about the flashback that um, begins our episode, this construction here, the day that S.H.I.E.L.D. fell on a, on a far off location with this uh, Helicarrier we've only ever seen um, in its uh, seaward position. But uh, how about our uh, our Hydra thugs there on that vessel? It's kind of a nice little touchstone. You know, it's, it's um, I don't even want to say a means to an end. It's, you know, they're kind of the black-hatted bad guys. We know their philosophy we know their background but it certainly is uh it's welcome to have them back here as clearly unquestionably bad an episode that otherwise has shades of gray the thing that the hydra reveal created for all time with this show is how big an element trust is and that was a repeated word uh, echoed over and over again in this episode. It, it, it almost feels like you are afraid to trust characters because could they be Hydra? It's not trust in the traditional sense, like can I can I give you this secret? They might be bad guys within your good guy organization, and that's the ultimate betrayal. So when this turn came and S.H.I.E.L.D. was you know, a smoking ruin around itself here far away from locations like the hub or the Triskelion in Washington, D.C., where Captain America and, you know, um, Sam Wilson were, you know, trying to restore order. Um, there's a real sense of panic there's a claustrophobia that, that came with it as well that I thought played really effectively in this episode. Could it have been strengthened with some big Hydra, you know, bad guy that had a name? Sure. Did it need to be? Absolutely not. It probably was a smart narrative decision to not have, you know, the face of Hydra or at least the face of this Hydra attack in the episode so much going on, the Sky story, the S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ story, and then this flashback story. You kind of didn't need to add more to that. Um, you know, the return of Hartley, the kind of, kind of, sort of chronological introduction to Gonzalez. Um, so I was, I was certainly fine without that Hydra element. The next couple of uh, people that wind up here, again, we know where they stand. But for the purposes of this episode, you know, we we put Mac and, and Bobby in these crosshairs because they are operating, um, you know, in conflict with Coulson's shield. Absolutely no question. Um, I think it's clear to to everyone in the audience that uh, there's a there's an easy path of redemption for 
for all of the the shield tailies, uh, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but that said, certainly in this episode, they are they are part of the uh, the villainous uh, the villainous others. Not to take the, the metaphor too far, but they are you know they are not part of the same. They are part of the other, and uh, and certainly act accordingly. And then we talk about the you know multi headed leaders. I know you know there was talk of five people making decisions within this real shield and democracy. But there really is kind of a, a three-headed, if you will, leadership situation between Gonzalez, Weaver, and Calderon. Interesting that uh, bearded agent Grizzly Adams didn't get any play this week. Ooh, that is interesting. I wonder. I wonder if that's as simple as uh, you know. I don't know a. Um casting decision and availability decision, you know, uh, something kind of, you know, a behind the scenes production reason, um, because he really was so prominent, uh, so prominent last time. A um, beer trim. Perhaps, maybe he was there. We just didn't know it. Yes. How's he going to wear a gas mask, Pete, without the seal being broken by, by his, uh, his, her suit visage, um, Maybe that's maybe that's the, all the story reason we need. He's back. He's back in the truck, kind of like monitoring things. For all its perceived benefits, Matt, lumber sexuality does have some drawbacks. Wow. Um, well, okay. <laughs> Time to analyze and theorize, Matt. First up, back from the dead, or. Are we going to see her again? Isabel Hartley, played by Lucy Lawless, name-checked last week, appears in this episode, albeit on the day she'll fell. Yes and no. Uh, not back from the dead in any sort of, you know, she died and now she lives again sense. But I very much get the idea that the, the, the battle for this ship... Um, which is different than a battle for a star, but anyhow, this, the the battle for the, for the Iliad um, is going to continue next week. I think um, it's, it certainly isn't guaranteed. Here's how you could avoid it: uh, you flash back to, you know, I don't know, a week later, and you start out with Gonzalez going, "Boy, it sure was tough cleaning out those other fourteen decks, but we did it." Okay, boom. That requires no special effects, no extras, no bullet explosions, you know, so on and so forth. But I kind of sense she's going to be back next week. Again, kind of in my in my spoiler-free uh, existence there, and uh, and I welcome it. To get an actress the caliber of Lucy Lawless and all the geek cred that she brings with that, you know, we get her in the premiere. Um, you know, the first episode of the second season and now 14 episodes later, you know, to get her via flashback. And we were all really kind of shocked that they put her down at the time. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that we got her back. I think it's a surprise it took it as long as it did. I had, as much as I would have loved to see more Lucy Lawless at the at the top of the season, I really enjoyed the uh the janet lee effect of like hey look she's been in all these shows in recurring roles and you know so recognizable and so forth and to be killed so quickly in that first episode i enjoyed from a story point of view um the fact that you're now now able to bring her back via flashback if this is her only episode back um all the better than to get a name to get somebody recognizable so when she shows up you don't go Oh right, that's the 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 something that was. It's it's Lucy Lawless. She's back. She's like six feet tall and played Xena. You know, so regardless, it's smart casting. If only because they knew they were gonna kind of sort of bring her back, you know, later. And now we've had that, and she's recognizable. But uh, an effective return. The cargo of the Iliad, Matt. What is it? What was it? I'm going to say it is officially filled with crates and crates of uh, MacGuffins, which is to say absolutely meaningless. It was a thing to go down and do, but once they decided 
not to do it or to take over the ship or not to do this suicide mission to sink the ship and protect it. I think that was its purpose in the story. I would really suspect, um, and, and I could be wrong, but I would really suspect that if we are going to return to um, the Iliad in the past or the Iliad in the present, that, that what is in the cargo hold, uh, I would argue, is not going to to play any salient role. He, I'll do you one better for level seven here. The fact that Mockingbird seemed so eager to do this mission alone, to go down to this cargo hold alone. Um, and there were a couple other moments in the episode, um, particularly in the, in the present day stuff, where I think we can definitely keep the theory alive that she is a triple agent and maybe she was just trying to get away from those shield people so that she could find the nearest uh hydra you know hydra lieutenant or whatever and say you know the magic you know klatu barada nikto or whatever their secret uh, that is to say your secret uh words are and be uh be brought back into the uh into the loving bosom of hydra well, I think a distinction needs to be drawn. She was headed, or at least she said she was headed to the server core with that piece of technology that she broke. Whether or not she would have uh, gone past that and headed to the uh, cargo hold, that's a little different. But her mission, at least as she described it, was um, separate. It certainly would have been if that's the mission Fury gave to her. If he didn't know she was Hydra again, I think, you know, look at a certain point, we move out of this being a story concern. Um, you know, I mean, Hydra kind of sort of, you know, is apparently playing a role in Avengers two, at least based on the, uh, you know, this, the, uh, the secret scene from, uh, you know, from captain America and all that. But, I mean, you know, which is to say season three, season four, we're not going to be worried about who could be secret Hydra. That, that would be hackneyed and cliched at that point. But uh, let's keep an eye on her. I still don't uh, I still don't completely trust her. Decrypted transmissions. Pete, we start decrypted transmissions reminding everybody that you can help the podcast with our bandwidth and storage costs by heading over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fantastic geek and uh you can uh even give a teensy bit and uh help us out with that uh many hands make a heavy load light and we have uh some some goodies uh to say thank you to you the listeners who uh who do help out and uh we appreciate your consideration with that we also appreciate the reviews that you leave for us on itunes matt we have one to read this week it was left on March 28th by C.G. Goatsinger. And the headline is Great Review and Discussion About Everything Marvel, Five Stars. And it reads, Love the Podcast. I don't get to gossip about the show with anyone in the office Wednesday morning. And these guys go fulfill all my speculation needs. Love to watch Agents. Listen to the podcast and watch Agents again to see everything they point out in the show we may have missed. That is that is so very much appreciated. I I know from other shows that I've watched in the past or even in the last in the last TV season, uh, Pete Fargo was one where I felt like I was the only person I knew who was watching it, and it really is it's it's nice on the on the consumer end on the receiving end when you have a podcast. So I certainly. Uh, appreciate what uh what that kind reviewer is saying and uh it does mean a lot that we can kind of kind of fill that spot and we can gossip with you about the latest goings on of uh agents of shield agent carter we got the daredevil podcast heating up uh all uh, all the goings on at fantasticgeek.com it does certainly help us and we appreciate it when you leave uh comments for us on uh itunes and you help other people find us when you do that so uh get on over the itunes there and if you haven't left us a review you can certainly do that pete another way that people have helped themselves is joining the chorus of those who follow you on twitter how can people do that well matt five thousand five hundred 
21 followers. Can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways. We can be found on Gmail, on Twitter, and the dot .com under Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with a PH. And Pete, there's one more popular way. Yes, the uh, other leg of social media here, facebook.com forward slash fantastic with a PH geek. Uh, get yourself over there. Give us a like. Um, just like Sky, you help us unlock secrets about ourselves as we hit each level of like. And Pete, here's a quick secret for our listeners. Uh, you can look forward to uh, the final preview of the Daredevil podcast uh, coming out later this week. Um, if you subscribe to just the Daredevil podcast or just the agent, you know, along with just the Agents of Shield podcast, it'll be on that feed. If you listen to us on the Pop Culture podcast feed, uh, it'll uh, it'll hit there, of course, too. The Pop Culture podcast feed, kind of a catch-all and a bonus place for uh, for our various podcasts going on. And uh, whether you're an Apple person or a PC person or an Android person or whatever, uh, you can always head over to fantasticgeek.com, click on the uh, iTunes and feed uh, tab there to uh, get our podcasts to whatever device works for you. And with that, Pete, I will now bid all our listeners a hearty adios and give you, Pete, the final word. Matt had an axe. Now I have it. It left quite a mark. Thank you.